So, I wonder when you have told people that you're a Christian, somebody's turned around to you and said, well, how can you believe in something that is a document that is 2,000 years old? Isn't that kind of irrelevant to what we, we live today? How can that be relevant to the age of technology and computers? And there's lots of different ways that we're made to doubt whether what we believe is true. And obviously one of them is, is about the origins of the gospel. How can it have gone through all the turmoil of the Roman Empire and everything not being written down until many years after Jesus died, uh, how, can you, how can that be reliable? And people question about Peter and Paul. Well, I want to have a look at that today, and, but also I want to have a, a look at uh, just to encourage us when we are going out to speak about uh, our faith, talking and sharing about our faith. Uh, so let me pray, um, and then we're going to have a, a look at this passage. Father, we pray that you are with us as we open your word and um, we look at uh, these words that you have given us, that you've uh, recorded for us uh, faithfully through your apostles. Lord, we pray that you can open our hearts and our minds to understand what you have to uh, say to us and to teach us today. We pray that that will stay with us through the week and forevermore. Amen. Right. So, um, I want you to keep a finger in in Acts 9 and just turn back to chapter 1. I want to, we, it's been a while since we've had a look at Acts, so I want to just remind us about where we're going with Acts and the whole overall vision with Acts. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's before he uh, rises up to heaven. That's before his ascension. So uh, this is kind of a template for the rest of Acts. So we, he, they're going to be witnesses in Jerusalem. We've seen that. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So jump back to chapter 9. And just before our section, we've got verse 31. And, and what do we see? It says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So we've done Jerusalem, tick. Judea, tick. Samaria, which is people who are of mixed blood, some of them... Well, they considered themselves Jews, but the Jews didn't consider themselves, uh, them, uh, the Samaritans, as Jews. But they still worshipped the same God. But now we're just on the cusp. And we know this because Saul, who is later to become Paul the Apostle, in the first part of Acts has just been converted. And we're told that he's going to go out to the Gentiles. And Jesus says it. It's just going to go out to Gentiles. So... We shouldn't really be surprised by what's coming next, but we kind of are. Now, if you just solely look at this passage, you probably wouldn't be surprised by these miracles. We've seen Peter do miracles before, 
And then suddenly, we, we, so we get Peter doing these two miracles. But if you follow the flow of the chapter, and if you read the whole of Acts, we do get surprised by this, this passage here for a couple of reasons. The first reason, really, is because, well, we've just seen a passage about Paul, haven't we? So Saul, who was persecuting the Christians, he was chasing them all the way uh, uh, to... Um, uh, uh, yeah, he was chasing, uh, chasing them. Sorry, my, my brain's gone there. He was chasing them, and then he, he was struck blind, and suddenly he became a Christian. And suddenly, we're told by, by, uh, uh, by the Bible, by Jesus, uh, saying that uh, this man is going to be sent out to the Gentiles. So we're, we're ready and we're expecting it. And then all of a sudden, the, the story switches back to Peter. So what's going on here? Is it that Luke is a little bit confused, a little, it falters a little bit? Somewhat like, I, I probably hate to, to remind, uh, especially with so many Americans in the room, that in the recent World Championships, the 4 by 100 meters, the baton was to be passed. Didn't quite happen. The Americans got disqualified for just running out of the, the, the passing zone. So is the baton being passed from Peter to Paul? No, not quite. Peter still has the baton. Is it that? And the, letting the Jamaicans go through and winning it? On paper, the Americans are always the favorites. They always have the, the fastest forerunners. But surprisingly, they've got to work on that baton change because that's not the first time that they failed. So is it that? Or is it that we, are, we have such a short attention span? I don't know whether you've, you see these TV series nowadays. We have one person and we see their training and they're all ready to go, but then it switches because our attention spans are so small. You know, uh, switches our attention to another guy. Or just as there's a cliffhanger, just about something is about to ha happen, boom, happens, you know, moves to the other guy. If it's, if it's 24, then there's those ticking clock sounds. You, you know the ones. Well, maybe there's that ticking clock sound here, and we are shifting back to Peter. Well, so that comes as a bit of surprise. Well, that is going to bring me back to my original question. In my dealings with Muslim evangelists, they will come to you and they will say, well, who wrote your New Testament? Wasn't it Peter and Paul? Well, how can you trust them? Well, Paul, he persecuted the church. He killed Christians. And he went about his ministry for many years before coming back to Jerusalem. And then they decided what Christianity was about. He preached a new form of his own Christianity and came back uh, to Jerusalem to confirm that with Peter. And Peter, didn't he deny Jesus three times? Wasn't he a coward? Wasn't he the guy who was constantly making mistakes? How can he be the person who you base your church on? Well, I want to remind you of who Peter is. Um, Peter, uh, Peter is the man who, when Jesus says, who do you say I am? Peter was the first person to say, you are Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus the Christ. And Peter said, and this is when he was still called Simon, and he said, said, you are Peter, the rock on whom my church will be founded. 
And the Muslims are forgetting also the history of the church. On Adam, the first man, on Abraham, who said, this isn't my wife, it's my sister. On Jacob, who was, uh, you know, who was known for being a little bit sly. On, um, on all of these people who were fo- so flawed. On David, who committed adultery. On S- Solomon, who had so many wives. Thank God that Jesus uses flawed and fallible and failed people like that as the foundations of his church, because otherwise, where would we be? When we fall, where would we be? Where, when, we, when we sin, when we're selfish, and when we go our own way, where would we be if not following in the footsteps of these people? Because Jesus raises us up to, to do his work. So, and let me remind you, so in Matthew 16, verse 18, if you want to turn to it, you can, Jesus speaks to the disciple named Simon and renames him. And he says, I tell you that, I tell you, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus fulfills his promises through incredibly flawed and failed people, people who have fallen and he raised them up again. And he built his church on people like us, failed and flawed. If the Gentiles were solely reached out to, uh, 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 to by Paul and witnessed to by Paul, then definitely people would be jumping on it and saying, who is this person, Paul? But you see, the first person who comes out to the Gentiles in the next chapter, in, in, in chapter 10, and we'll see, it follows the, the, the route of Peter, the first Gentiles are, are being converted then. And that's incredibly exciting. That's a pivotal moment in history where the church is reaching out to the Gentiles. And that's still going on today. Well, that's still going on now. So this is a key moment in history. So um, we can see that the witnessing to the Gentiles is sanctioned by Jesus. And that's, that, that, gives us, uh, that brings us on to the second surprise. So as we read Acts, we see that, Paul, uh, that Luke, is, uh, who wrote Acts, records very clearly the progress of the church. It's all about God's, uh, God's word being go, going out, firstly to Jerusalem, then to Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the rest of the, earth, uh, the ends of the earth. Again, you might miss it if you just take this passage in isolation, just how surprising this passage is. If you read Luke, um, uh, so if you read Luke, when he talks about the many signs and wonders, he just does it in passing. So for example, I could describe out this morning, Alice got up in the morning, she, uh, she checked what she was supposed to be doing, whether she was supposed to get, who's getting the donuts. Then she went to, to Aeon uh, and got some cake and on the way he healed a few paralyzed people and then she you know, came to church and then she, she set out the cakes. Well, that's how Luke describes the many signs and wonders. Peter and Paul well, they are doing preaching. Their, their big work is the preaching. And Luke dwells on that, the growth of the church. And the, then Paul just mentions, oh, uh, Peter did many signs and wonders. 
uh, in chapter 2, Peter does many winds, uh, signs, signs and wonders. Um, let's have a look. Um, and Stephen, uh, and again in chapter 5, in chapter 6, Stephen, who's uh, a deacon, he's not even one of the apostles, does many signs and wonders. And Philip, in, uh, in chapter 8, he it kind of reverses it. He does many wonders and signs. I don't know whether that makes any difference. Um, Paul, uh, Paul, even, in, in chapter 14, does many signs and wonders. And it's just mentioned in passing. Now, there are a few big miracles. And there, those are the ones that should make us to stop and think and think about why these big miracles have happened. Now, some people have said that all, to, all the times where there is a big growth in the church, it should be followed uh, or should be accompanied by many signs and wonders. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. Now, it does happen. We've seen it happen, and we have records of it happening. With Jackie Pullinger in, in Hong Kong, with the, uh, with the, the, you know, the healing of the, the drug addicts who become go off their drugs uh, almost immediately, we, we see that happening. But we shouldn't expect it. We've seen masses of growth um, in, even when, uh, when Anthony was talking about in Europe uh, with, uh, with uh, the growth of the church there, the, especially the, the Protestant church, um, we didn't see signs and wonders to this degree. In Africa, there are stories, but those are very few and far between. The signs and wonders, the miracles. Far, far more often, it's just the spread of the word and these amazing stories about how the word is being spread despite persecution. In China, the same. Yes, we do hear sort of signs and wonders, but the vast majority of the stories are about the amazing, story, uh, the amazing spread of the gospel. So we shouldn't expect it, but this was a unique time. This is where the church is first being established. This is when uh, the word is first going out. And so we have to ask ourselves, what exactly is going on here? So um, I want to um, have a look at this one. Have a, have a look down at what Peter does. Um, firstly, he heals a, a paralytic man, a guy called Aeneas. That's a very Greek name. It doesn't dwell too much on the fact that he's, he's a Greek. I'm, I'm, it's pretty clear to the audience that he would be Greek, not a Jew. Um, but, uh, but it leaves it there. It's very small and, and, and makes it pass. And then he, he, uh, he raises from the, uh, the uh, dead uh, a very good woman. It doesn't say that she's uh, uh, particularly strong in evangelism. So we can't dwell too much on that. But he doesn't, he doesn't choose to have an audience for that. He, he puts everyone outside. So let's, uh, that, that makes it a little bit unusual because previously uh, Peter's made, uh, had an, audi uh, an audience every, uh, in everything else. So I want us to turn back to Luke chapter 5 if we can. Looking at verse 24. So this is Jesus with a paralytic man. So Luke chapter 5, verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the para a man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, 
and go home. Doesn't that sound familiar? That should sound familiar from what Mark just read. Now turn over a couple of pages to chapter 8. So not long afterwards. Chapter 8 and verse 51. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter it, uh, enter with him, except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not, uh, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her, ha her by the hand, he, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. Turn back to uh, Acts 9. So let's have a look back at Acts 9. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling all saints, uh, the saints and widows, he presented her alive. You see, it's very, very familiar. Peter is using the same words as Jesus. He's doing it in the same manner as Jesus. And he's using the name of Jesus. So do you see with the paralytic man, who does he call on? He, he say, it does this miracle. Well, it's Jesus who does this miracle. So he's using the same words as Jesus. He's using the same manner as Jesus. And he's calling on the name of Jesus. So who is doing this miracle? Well, someone would say it's Peter. But actually, it's Jesus. And when I talk about uh, Acts uh, as written by Luke, I talk about it as the ongoing works of Jesus. Jesus is word that is going out. So we're in absolutely no doubt here that as the work, as the word, as the church goes out to the Gentiles, it's Jesus' uh, Jesus's church, Jesus' word, Jesus' stamp of authority that is on, 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 on this work. People would have known that there is no way that Peter could have done this miracle without Jesus' blessing, Jesus' stamp of authority. So as Jesus goes to convert the Gentiles in the next chapter, we know that this is blessed by Jesus. We know that this is Jesus' church. Just a quick pop quiz for, for those people who are maybe drifting off or slightly asleep, uh, you know, I don't know, or just to engage you. Uh, who knows how many people uh, raised uh, people from the dead in the church? Who, who, can, who, who can tell me how many people there were who raised people from the dead? Any hands? Any guesses? We've got three there, okay. Any other guesses? It's a little bit more than three. It's actually five. There are five people. So just to give you the significance, over the many thousands of years and all of the great prophets uh, that, and, and healers and uh, miracle workers through the Bible, the thousands of years that the Bible uh, was happening, there are five people who raise people from the dead. So this is a significant act. 
And it's something we should pay attention to. Who can tell me the five? So we've got Jesus. I've already told you that one. I'm not going to give you that one. And, and, and Peter. So who are the others? Jesus and Peter. Paul. Yep. So that's another one. So Paul, as he goes out to the Gentiles, another great act to say, this is my church. Jesus saying, this is my church. Two more. Elijah. You're not allowed to answer anymore. <laughs> and one more. One more. No, no. One more. Who raises people from the dead? One more per. God, God from the dead. Yeah, well, they're all God. So, <laughs> good answer, but yeah, it's not the one I was looking for. Yeah. Elisha. So, we have Elijah and Elisha, two of the great prophets from the Old Testament who both raised people from the dead. Elisha, yeah, again, it's, it's uh, God saying, this is my prophet as well. And uh, Jesus is, is kind of called the new Elijah because you know, um, he raises people from the dead. Well, Jesus raises lots of people from the dead. Peter and Paul, both one instant each. We, we see these amazing miracles. It's dangerous to assume that we, you know, as the church goes out, we're going to be performing these miracles. We can't assume them, but we can't doubt God. God has the power for this. But these amazing miracles, these few miracles, happen for a very good reason. To establish that this is Jesus' church. Finally, we need no reminding that this is a very powerful image. With the gospel going out, it brings new life. The gospel brings new life. It is raising people from the dead. That image in Ezekiel of the valley of the dry bones, these people who are dead beyond doubt, those are the people who haven't heard the gospel. And then the wind comes through and the spirit comes through and they're raised up to be fully living people. That is what's happening here as Paul and Peter go out to the Gentiles as the church is being built. And that is what's happening here as we talk and share the gospel with others. And that should make us excited. That when we talk to these people, people who are lovely people, seemingly as if they have very sorted lives, I, I wonder sometimes with just the, the wealth that is in the private school that I work in, uh, that their parents seem to have very, very sorted lives, that they think they don't need the gospel. Well, they are the dead people. They haven't heard the gospel yet. And we cannot doubt that Jesus' stamp of authority is on this because Peter is the rock who he built his church on. Peter went out to the Gentiles. People were, Peter went out to people like us, whether you're Chinese or Malay or uh, Filipino or American or English. We're all Gentiles. Let me pray. Father, we pray that your spirit is in us, encouraging us and giving us confidence in you when we speak, that we speak your words, that when we share, we share from the heart for people who we love. Give us a heart for these people. And Lord, help us to speak faithfully, Lord. Uh, use the simple message that you've given us, that you have died for us, that we need to be forgiven sins 
and that once we are forgiven sins and we accept you as our Lord and Savior, you have promised us and guaranteed us a place in heaven. What a wonderful news, Lord, and what confidence you give us that we are yours. In Jesus' name, amen.